senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined as always by professional better Raheem Palmer. Raheem, what's up? What's up, man? Life is good. NFL was, you know, we're we getting it going in our contest picks. So that's great. NBA season is rolling, so I'm happy. Yeah, the favorites stopped covering it like 80% of the time. I'm sure that was helpful for you. Brandon Anderson, NBA and NFL analyst. Brandon, what's up? You know, not much. I finally getting some props rolling my last couple times on. So NBA prop season is finally here. It took us a bit to get there, but uh, feeling good. Yeah, Bulls, your Bulls with some big wins. I'm sorry about that. But, you know, the Wolves with another terrible loss to Clippers. So I'm sure you're feeling better there. Uh, Want to remind you that if you're looking to track any sort of bet in the universe, uh, Snooker, uh, if you're looking to track ping pong, literally ping pong, if you're looking to track anything, you can track all that information and your bets on all the major sports in the Action Network app is the absolute best way. Track your picks, get information on where the money is at, where the bets are at. Uh, you can follow Raheem's uh, brilliant NBA picks and Brandon's great props. And my, if I could just stop picking the wrong games because my model's doing great and I pick the wrong games every night, my picks as well are in the Action Network app. You can do that. Get all of our analysis, including future Fridays, which we do at nba.com slash NBA bet. Last week, I gave out two Warriors-based props for the season. Warriors win the division is still at a plus number. That's wild. Uh, they're still behind the Suns. That's wild. Uh, and I gave out Draymond Green and Matisse Tybel for Defensive Player of the Year. I think both of those are value plays. I don't think Rudy's running away with it just yet. Check out all the great podcasts across the network. The Action Network podcast, where Raheem and Brandon are on on Mondays and Fridays. Hot Read is one of the, my favorite bits that they do. Um, they break down all the games, lots of great stuff there. You got Stucky and Raybon on Thursdays, breaking down the entire slate for the Sunday six-pack. Check out the Big Bets on Campus podcast if you like anything college, football or basketball. You're going to get the absolute best of analysis over the Big Bets on Campus podcast page. Our new soccer podcast, football podcast, Wonder Goal. Wonder Goal! And also, uh, you can check out the Fantasy Flex if you're into DFS. All right. Today's show, we're doing the Northwest Division. We want to check in. We're approaching the quarter mark. People don't realize this. We're going to be up on the quarter mark of the season in short order. So we're going to go ahead and do a check in on the Northwest Division, talk about a bunch of these things because I think they're very interesting. Uh, I thought it was salient after I was in Denver last night to watch the Denver Nuggets without uh, two start, three starters absolutely throttle and dismantle the Portland Trailblazers. We'll get there in a second. I want to go bottom up, fellas. So we're going to start quick on the back teams, and then we'll get a little bit longer as we reach the top. Let's start with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm catching you guys off guard. I'm sure you both of you prepped long and hard to cover the Oklahoma City Thunder today. However, look, I will just say this about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I've watched a fair amount of their games this season. Oklahoma City is 7-5 and five against the spread. Last night, I think was a good example of this, where they hung in the first half versus the Nets, and then the second half, uh, the Nets were the Nets, and the Thunder were the Thunder. Shea Gilles-Alexander is fantastic. I think Josh Giddy is really going to be something. This team has purposely uh, – this is how I described it last night. They built a really great car with an absolutely incredible engine, and they've just decided not to give it any fuel whatsoever. There's just no fuel because there's no shooting, so you can't hang in any of these games because of like how they wind up uh performing offensively 
when I watch them, though, I think the defense is actually relatively solid. Uh, Brandon, let's start with you. Do you have any thoughts on betting props wise or otherwise about the Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah, I think that this team, I think you summed it up well. The defense has been solid. And I thought that that was a possibility here. You know, SGA should be a good defender. Dort, we know, is good. Derek Favors, while they're actually playing him, I wasn't sure exactly how much Favors we'd get or if he would, you know, just get bubble ramped up on the bench until they could find a trade uh, place for him. So I think while those guys are in and playing, the defense should be pretty solid. And uh, Mark Dagnall has done a nice job with this team. Like he's not a coach that most anybody knows anything about, but given the talent that he has and the spot that they're in with so many young players, uh, they've done a nice job. So uh, to me, it looks like, I don't know that there's necessarily a good props angle. I tried SGA assists a couple of times. Our props tool likes that one. And they, they've been bouncing around a little bit. SGA assists. The problem is you got to have somebody else on the team finish your assists. And that doesn't always happen with this team. The offense not good defense, good offense, not good. But I think it's a team that, you know, their team when they're a double digit dog or when it's especially one of those teams that we know, like the Nets, the Hawks teams that don't show up for the bad teams. I think that's a good spot to look at the thunder as a, as a big underdog and just a team that's going to be feisty and kind of hang around. I don't think that they're going to be better than that. I think hang around and force you to actually show up that night. They're going to, I mean, they will tank eventually. Like they just will. Like I would just tell you, like, just be prepared. This team is going to tank at some point. Um, Raheem, I do have them power ranked uh, 25th in the league. So not great, not great there. Uh, but I would say that I, I do kind of agree with Brandon. I, I think there's some value when they're a big dog. I think the Nets game was kind of an outlier. We've seen them hang in certain spots. Another kind of interesting trend for them, the first half under, the under is nine and three in the first half for Thunder games, which kind of makes sense, right? Like eventually the defense kind of breaks out, uh, the offense breaks out against them and they're able to, to kind of push it up. Like this is what the Thunder want is they want to hang in games and lose with, <laughs> and lose with dignity, right? So like trying to find ways to, to handle these teams, I think is, is difficult, but I do think that there is some value if you get, like I speak, especially if the, if the Thunder are getting double digits, depending on the team, I think it's probably a pretty good spot for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. But I also think there's value on them against other bad teams. They're no longer the worst team in the league. Like you just said that you have the Thunder ranked 25th. If you look at SRS, simple rating system, they're 26. So it's like you have teams that are, are teams that are worse than the Thunder by a couple points. You look at the, the Pelicans. They're, they're dreadful. And this team can win some games. Like they beat the Lakers twice, even though they didn't have um, LeBron James. They, they, cut, they came off winning four straight games. So you can pick your spots with this team. This is not a team that you could blindly fade as you did last year. Let's go to uh, Brandon's beloved Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I thought it was, this was really it was bizarre to me over the weekend. Like every time that they lose, it's a referendum on the franchise and blow it up and Cat wants out and everything is terrible and this team's not going anywhere and they're lost and Chris Finch needs to be fired. And then, like, they beat the Lakers, and it's like, oh, that's a pretty good win. And the next game they lose, and it's like, oh, my God, the Wolves are so terrible. Like, they beat the Lakers. They're on a back-to-back. They lose to the Clippers. Okay, guess what? You're not winning both of the duplex games in LA. You're not. You're not winning both of those games. You're going to win one. You're going to lose one. Do you want to know why? If you lose the first one, you're not going out. You're staying in. You're being focused. You're going to win that game, and you're probably going out that night. If you win the first one, guess what? You're going out to celebrate. It's L.A. Let's go have fun. And then you're losing the next one because you're in L.A. 
the Clippers are a terrible matchup for this team. Like the Clippers specifically, because of the way that they spread the floor in small ball five, are a terrible matchup for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You play a blitzing defense versus a team that is good at two things, passing and finding three-point shooters. Guess what? The Clippers are going to tear this team apart, and they have in three straight matchups. The Clippers are going to, are a bad matchup for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's three of their losses. The Pelicans are worse than them. We know this. Like, we know the Pelicans without Zion Williamson are worse than the Wolves. We know this. The Pelicans beat them. That's a fluke outlier game. Throw that one out. You take those out, and this Wolves team is fine. I don't think the Wolves are going to be good, Brandon. I don't think the Wolves are going to be good. I'm not saying 500, but if they get to 36, 37, 38 wins, that's progress. I understand that you're going to say, like, but the salary, and they couldn't take last year, and blah, 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 blah. You're going to have to take baby steps. You're the Timberwolves. Let's move towards 500 and then figure out a way to make the leap. You want to be the Suns from 2020 before you're the Suns from 2021. Like, baby steps. I wish the team and its fans and its superstar, I might add, would stop freaking out. I think the Wolves are fine. Yeah, the the superstar freak out. I, I'm with you there. Like, yeah, that that's a problem. I don't know what to do about that. They're four and eight. They're they've won one of their last seven games. You know, they were three and one. We talked about them as one of the surprising teams on one of our Friday happy hours. It's good we fit that in when we could. <laughs> the four wins are against the Lakers without their stars, half of the Bucks, the Pelicans, and the Rockets. Like that's that's nothing. That's that is doing the absolute least that you can ask for a team. Can I refute? You may. Is it, This is how they get It's going to have to be done. They're not going to beat the good teams. Why would you expect a team that's been in the lottery like 18 years in a row to beat good teams? You start by beating the bad teams. Beat the sure. bad teams first. So I, I agree with your refuting. Minnesota's profile to me looks very, very similar to Oklahoma City's profile. They're beating some of the bad teams. They're losing to all the other better teams. That's an indictment of the franchise because this team with the players they have should not be similar to Oklahoma City's profile. They should be doing better than just beating the very bad teams. They're, the shooting is going to get better. The three, they're leading the league in three-point attempts, but 22nd percentage. Hopefully that gets better. D'Lo has not been good. Malik Beasley has been awful. So hopefully that comes around. The problem is a couple of things. Number one, there's still the same thing we all know, which is they have one-way guys. You can either play offense or defense. They can't get the right mix of both. They can't figure it out. And there's no forwards on the team. McDaniels, Okogi, Vanderbilt, none of them, they, they're all actively damaging on the offense. And it, it, you just, you can't build a team without forwards. And they're just too easy to defend when a team actually shows up for them. Raheem, I'm going to give you a pause before I launch into another diatribe. I, I need to contain myself. I, I, think, I think you overreacted, Brandon. When I look at the, I mean, when you look at, look at some of these games, like dig into them, their game against the Denver Nuggets, they lost by two. That was a game that they should have won. Look at their game against the Memphis Grizzlies. They had lead and they had a lead in that game and ended up losing 125-118 in overtime. You look at first game against the Clippers. They probably should have won that game as well. So, what I see right now, this is a team who hasn't necessarily learned how to win. They don't have the experience. If you look at their clutch number, they're two and four in clutch clutch games with an offensive rating of 75 and a defensive yeah. rating of 121. Their net rating is minus 45 in the clutch. So 
that, like this team just hasn't learned how to win yet. And I think they'll start to put it together. But I think Matt is right. This team isn't nearly as bad as this record or its SRS says it is. So like a Kogi is plus 13.4 in on-court net rating. They're winning the Akogi minutes, whether you think that he's good or not, that's fine. I happen to think he's good, but they're winning them. They're winning the they're winning the D'Angelo Russell minutes. He's been terrible. They're winning those minutes. He's plus 5.4 because he was out for some of the games where they got waxed. Uh, Jade McDaniels, plus 1.9. Anthony Edwards, who's been great, plus 0.3. They're losing with Towns uh, by a slight margin because I think Towns is – I actually just don't think Towns has played well. Like, the the games on the West Coast road trip have large, were largely like Cat didn't play well. They could have won the Warriors game. Cat played badly. Like, that was the, the difference in that in that war – in the game versus the Warriors – the difference was that Cat played really badly in that game. Um, like Patrick Beverly, minus seven. Okay, now you're getting into trouble. You start getting into the bench, guys, and that's where like it falls off of an absolute cliff. So I, I think you can manage that better. I think they should probably – look, I think they should look at trades. I think you should be open to things. Again, I want to stress this. I don't think the Wolves are good. I have an over bet on the win total. They were my number one season win total bet over, and it was a good bet. But I feel like what's going to happen is – Everyone is just like so disgusted and upset and like, why is this team so garbage? It's going to result in like cat demanding a trade and or like a colossal overturn or like Chris Finch gets fired. If they fire Finch, it is a colossal mistake. I am telling you right now, firing Chris Finch would be a horrible mistake. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think to me, the problem that I'm seeing is all of what both of you are saying, I think is perfectly fine and a great place for the team to be the trajectory. If this is the Anthony Edwards team, Anthony Edwards is improving, but not great yet. That's okay. He's 20. He's not supposed to be great yet. He's done all the things you could have hoped for from him. He's improving in all the right ways. This team, if this is the Anthony Edwards team, this is the right spot. You beat some bad teams. You have some close losses. You have to learn how to win. All that's good. D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns shouldn't be at that trajectory anymore. So when that's the team, and that's where it's supposed to be. I think you need to have a higher expectation for it. They're 30th in defensive rebounding, 30th in defensive free throw rate, 29th in offensive free throw rate, 28th in two-point percentage. These are terrible metrics. I don't think it's going to be a bad team, but I don't know that I see them really contending for much more than maybe a play-in loss. And I just think that's a disappointing trajectory for what the team ought to be at this stage. It's weird because it's just like after being so bad for so long, I think like you have to like you have to you have to lower your standards. You just do. You got to get the stink off the franchise, I think, before you can go forward. Let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers. Yikes, guys. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. I was at that game last night. I have. It is very rare. In my experience, that a team that is not on a back to back in Denver on an East Coast to West Coast road, road trip like those teams are accepted. I've seen some teams absolutely just be like, I just want to go home. Get me out of the city. Get me away from this airport that's an hour away from the city. Get me away from this town that has nothing fun to do in. I don't want to go hiking. I want to go home. Um, this is not one of those spots. This is a division rivalry game for Portland. Portland projects itself as a playoff team. They want to be like a serious threat in the Western Conference. I understand Damian Lillard was out. The quit level in that team from the absolute get-go in last night's game, we're recording this on Monday, was incredible. Yusuf Nurkic, Robert Covington, CJ McCollum. Wow. Like McCollum kind of got it going when he got in the second unit. He actually showed some spark. Like their second unit, I actually think is pretty good with Nathan Zeller. Oh my God, the starters. Like it is bad 
Uh, we're waiting any minute for what's going to happen with Neil O'Shea. Every expectation around the league is like probably not going to be around much longer. We'll see if he manages to survive. Um, if he's gone, I want to, I'm just going to go ahead and get out of this. If O'Shea is gone, the odds of a major trade involving CJ McCollum go considerably up based off of what people around the league feel. This is not based off of what I've heard out of Portland. This is what people around the league think is that if, if Neil O'Shea is gone, they expect major trades to come out of Portland. And that just destabilizes, I think, everything, futures with them, everything, Raheem. I, th- I just think it gets really hard to project what's going to happen with them with where they're at right now, because this is untenable. Interesting. So, why? I mean, why is it C.J. McCollum as opposed to Damian Lillard? So, the idea is, one, Dame kind of projected that he wants to stay. That's why he did that big interview with um, – Chris Haynes thing, right? And he comes out, look at the rap song about like how he wants to stay here and like, like all these things. So he's kind of projected that he wants to stay. His whole thing was he thought that the roster wasn't good enough. He had those comments at Team USA about how he didn't think the roster was good enough. But Olshay's thing was, no, 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 the roster's fine. The roster's fine. It's just a coach. Well, new coach and they look worse. So, you know, I think Billups can be a good coach. I think he's in a tough spot with where the roster is at. They also look like a roster that knows like, man, we got to break this up. This just doesn't work anymore. The difference has been Olshay drafted CJ. And the idea has long been that Olshay is reluctant to trade McCollum because he really like, like he invested in him and, you know, promoted him and cleared out space for him and, you know, really believed in him. And so like, that's been like the idea. So I think he is on the block. I think Covington's on the block. I think Nurkic is on the block. If Olshay is gone, that's the thought process. Brandon, um, are you like, I guess here's the thing is like, Night to night, I'm looking for spots where I can fade Portland. We'll see what happens. That maybe there'll be one of those typical NBA swerve spots. But I'll just let you know. I saw that the Blazers opened up as favorites versus the Raptors, and I could not grab the Raptors fast enough as we record this on Monday. Yeah, they've been a very all or nothing team. I looked at the schedule. Eleven of their fourteen games have finished double digits. So it's they're they're not even like. We've watched Dame time for so long. There's so many close games usually, and then they're just waiting for Dame to take over late. They're not even getting chances there. Either they show up and they're like, hey, we're the Blazers. We're pretty good. We're going to play well tonight. Or they do last night, and they're just like, Dame's out, so we lose. Guess what? The Nuggets were missing three-fifths of their starters. Like, you don't get to just not show because Dame is out. Like, yeah, it sucks that he's out. I'm worried about the abdominal strain. I was worried about it before just because it seems like the same Olympic thing that was bothering him when he clearly wasn't himself there. You got to play like you got to hang around until he gets healthy, whatever it is. So I I would like to see, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think it probably won't because of a lot of reasons. I like to see Nance in the starting lineup and Norm off the bench just to kind of try to even out the offense defense a little bit more. Norm has been very good. I just want to see the lineups moved around a little bit. Uh, Covington, uh, looks kind of washed. <laughs> like he's been trending that way in a while. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think that would mix things up a little bit. The CJ McCollum thing. I mean, CJ for Ben, like how does that not make both teams better? CJ, it seems like will be a more valuable player on a team where he can do a little bit more with the ball, more usage. If you look at like a Dame plus norm and then Covington, I don't know if he's in that deal. Simmons as like a four in that scenario. I think that's, I think that makes both teams a little better. It seems like the obvious trade we waited on all summer. Do we think that's still on the table? I think no. the Sixers and Daryl Moore are going to want more than CJ McCollum back for Vincent. So I just don't see it. 
I don't know. I they're getting I, more I, than that. I think of it, I, here's the, here's what I think. I think Maury has projected that he wants more back for him. Right. I think, I think CJ is the backstop on the value. Right. I think that that is, I think from Maury's perspective, it's, you know, worst case scenario, we'll do a Portland deal. I, I really do. I think that that's like the backstop. He's trying to do better than CJ. The other thing I would say is Nurkic's uh, chemistry has been, there's been some weird signs over the last year. Um, Nurkic said last year in exit interviews, I'm not sure what the future holds for me, even though he was under contract for another year, which is a weird statement. Uh, use of Nurkic clutch client, by the way. Um, so we'll see, right? I, I do kind of wonder, like, if you have chemistry issues and your team isn't clicking and there's all this pressure, I'm not sure bringing in Ben Simmons is the way to go. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> like, not not a personality that's going to make everything run smooth and get everyone going and bring a positive vibe. That That's not Ben. You got to be rock solid if you're bringing in Simmons. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. It makes the most sense, but we'll have to see what happens. Uh, let's go to the other team that looked awesome last night, the Denver Nuggets. They go 5-0 and on the homestand. They are they went 4-0 against the spread last week. I talked about them on a video for NBA bets uh, on the season. The Denver Nuggets are now 7-6 and after starting off in a rough spot. They basically fixed their bench problem by playing Bones Highland. They took Faku Campazzo out of the rotation Play Bones Highland. Bones is giving them great minutes. Jokic is an MVP candidate again. I bet him on NBA. I, he was on my NBA bet. Uh, Future Friday guys two weeks ago for MVP at plus 1,600. It's already moved to plus 1,300 at the books. It's at plus 1,200 at BetMGM where I bet it. So it's moving uh, in that direction. Brandon, I, I know that we've said, like, they're not going to vote for him again. They didn't want to vote for him the first time. I honestly don't know. Like, if the Nuggets wind up with a three seed, with no MPJ, no Jamal Murray, you know, Will Barton's going to be fine. His back issue is not a long-term concern. But without those two for a significant chunk of the season, and Jokic keeps up this performance with where he's at as number one in most of the advanced metrics, I don't know that the voters are going to have a choice again. I think they're going to be trapped into being like, I, I, I got to – he doesn't have anybody. He, it's just him. Yeah, I, that's I'm there and more right now. Like, in I was looking this weekend at like the one month All Stars, trying to look at the the different uh, award races. We're gonna talk about those on our Friday podcast this week. I think Jokic. I don't know that he would be if the season ended right now. I think Jokic should be not just the MVP, the runaway MVP. Like. His advanced metrics aren't just leading. He's lapping everyone. He's gotten way better than he was last year. I think of the season ended right now. He should be in the defensive player of the year conversation because they're the number two defense and his defensive metrics have been off the charts. And the 125 125 offensive rating with no help, really. Like, like we're getting, we're getting playoff Jokic. And also the playoff nuggets that he had last year, because there's not much else happening here. 125 offensive rating, 95 defensive rating. Those are Rudy Gobert numbers, but with 31% usage, he's plus 25.8 on off per hundred. That's every four possessions with Jokic. You gained a point on the other team. Yeah, That seems pretty mm-hmm. valuable. He's 14.5 box plus minus. Like again, it's early. But the highest we've ever seen in any season is like 11 and 12 from like MJ and LeBron. So the numbers are absurd. Huge rebounding jump this year. 
His usage has gone up. His turnovers haven't gone up, despite that he's playing with whoever happens to be around that night. It, it's absurd. He, I, I honestly, I, I'm a little upset that we haven't talked about him that much and that the media collectively is just kind of like, oh, Jokic, you know, he's good for Jokic. He's doing well again. Like <laughs> the Nuggets are nine and four. Yeah. How yeah. is this team nine and four? Jokic yeah. should be the MVP right now. Uh, it's his defensive stuff. I think is interesting because this is a case where the backlash against analytics works against him. Because if you mention all the defensive analytics and everyone goes like, Oh, come on. Like he's not. So like I've gone the other way where I'm like, go back and watch the heat game. Like that's the one that I've, I implore you. If you're, if you're like, come on, go back and watch the heat game. He absolutely stoned bam out of bio in that game. Like, Bam was in hell on the on when he was on offense. Bam was in hell, let alone on the other side of the floor. Like that's that was what was impressive. There was a play late in the in I think it was third quarter uh, before all the brouhaha. Bam gets in the post and tries to score on him. Jokic blocks him, gets the ball, dribbles at the length of the court, goes into a post up against Bam, spin move and scores on him. Like it was. It was Elijah Wan versus Robinson 94 shit. It was awesome. Um, he's been great. He's been, his rim protection has been good. I'll say this. Uh, if you're curious, if you're like trying to make sense of it, you're like, the Nuggets have never been good defensively. How is this possible? One, they've had stretches where they've been good. Like they'll pop up in top 10 of defense every now and again. Like they just, they always kind of tail off at the end of the year. I will tell you that the biggest difference I can see is that they have an undersized backcourt and wings that struggle with containment. Do you know what helps with that? Being able to foul and grab. And so these rules are helping them a ton with where the, where the game is being called right now. They can be a little bit more reckless with their closeouts because they're not getting tagged with the pump fake fouls. They can be a little bit more handy on the edge because they're not getting freedom of movement fouls. Like that's helping Denver a lot. But yeah, I agree. Um, Jokic is an absolute just beast right now. Raheem, they are this season. Uh, I looked this up on team rankings. They are by teamrankings.com four and two as an underdog. They are a team that the Sharps got in on like four years ago. And so the books have always been very cautious with their lines. But the talent level without MPJ and Murray is so low that they do grade out as dogs in a lot of these situations. And I think that anytime that you get Denver as a dog, that's like a starting place to at least be like, okay, I want to see whether or not I want to bet this. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, when you look at their Wednesday game against the Indiana Pacers, they were missing. I mean, they were Jokic. Jokic. Yeah. Jokic had gotten suspended. They, they probably should have been three point favorites, but the line moves six points and they end up winning outright. And so it's just like, you can't count this team out. I think it's something you said something about this team. And it's always stuck out when this team is under adversity, they're probably going to win. And I think about that every single time this team is in a bad spot where they have a game where, you know, the the public is fading them for whatever reason they show up. And I I think a lot of that is Mike Malone. Yeah. I also wonder if Mike Malone for coach of the year is probably worth a look at. Um, Just again, a good example in that game versus the Blazers last night, they were plus nine with Jokic. Great. But they won the non-Jokic minutes. They He had problems with the bench unit, so he broke up the green and green combination and stopped playing Faco Campazzo. 
And all of a sudden the bench unit looks much better by playing a rookie. So uh, finally, finally team, we'd love to talk about here on buckets team that has made us a lot of money by betting them in the regular season and fading them in the playoffs. The Utah jazz who have had a little bit of a rough run of it lately. So Brandon, I'll start with you on this. I see some things there. I mentioned this on last week's episode. They're trying to do some of the right things offensively a little, like a little less. Let's just get you in rotation, run, pick and roll over and over again, a little more. Let's force the issue and try and like hit some tough buckets and, and adapt that way. I do wonder based off of the struggles versus Miami, if at some level, they just do not have the dogs defensively on the perimeter to play what they're going to need to because Gobert can't punish switches, which is why I always think that they're a liability on offense. But I think defensively, the jazz fans have been absolutely livid with the fact that their guards just can't stay in front of guys like their guards and Royce O'Neal just can't contain on the perimeter well enough. They just don't have the guys to be able to contain on the edge. If that's the case, do we have any sort of reason to think that the jazz are different? Like I can't get, even though I'm like, Hey, the jazz are doing better. Doing like I'm still ne- like, I'm very far away from, I want to take a Western conference future on the jazz. Yeah. The jazz. So the jazz will last four or five. They lost to the heat twice. They lost to the magic and the Pacers. So not a good stretch. I just happened to finally get on the jazz regular season bandwagon and start betting them just over this last week. <laughs> I'm very familiar with their losses. Good job, Brandon. Yeah. Thanks. Mm. Thanks, Jazz. And sorry to everyone. So, yeah, the perimeter defense is a thing. We talked about that a lot in the playoffs last year. I think, too, like Jordan Clarkson is ice, ice cold right now. And that, like we know Jordan Clarkson's not a good defender. The Jazz know Jordan Clarkson's not a good defender. The trade-off is you get the hot streaks and hot shooting. And if you're not getting that, Jordan Clarkson becomes a pretty damaging player, which is just what he's been during the stretch. 24% threes on the season. Uh, to me, looking at this team's profile, I'm not worried. I, I, this just looks like the Jazz to me. It looks like the Jazz who have tried a few things. And frankly, this cold stretch, these four losses, here's their three-pointers. We know that they take a ton of threes, third most threes in the league. Those losses, 15 of 45, 8 of 42, 9 of 32, 17 of 53. That's 28% threes in those four games. If they shoot a ton of threes, and if you only hit 28% of them, you're going to lose some of the games. Like that, that just happens. I, I think this is just a three-point variance thing that we're going to start seeing more and more where even the teams who are very, very good that we know are that good just miss a lot of threes and then lose some games. So the defense, the numbers are a little lower than I would like, but it's almost the identical profile from last year. So it's too early, I think, to worry too much about it. We know the perimeter defense isn't, isn't great. I think the versatility thing they were hoping they add, they're, they're showing some signs of doing a little bit more of that. I need to see Rudy Gay out there eventually. I think that's the guy that they went out and got to try to add some of the different looks and versatility. So like they just, they don't have the personnel to try that many other things. They have jazz personnel. So they're doing jazz stuff. Uh, I'm fine with them. Like, I I still think this is a very clear division favorite, especially with how the rest of the teams have looked. And I I think they're going to be fine. See, I I think they're the favorite, but I don't see the same team that I saw before. I think the defense has really fallen off a cliff. Like Mike Conley couldn't stay in front of TJ McConnell. And I mean, the perimeter defense is a, a real problem. They're giving up the third highest frequency of three-point field goals. They're, they're 11th in three-point um, 
shooting accuracy on defense. So they can be beat from the perimeter. And obviously the offense has to show up, which I think they will, but I don't think this is the team we saw last year that pretty much ran through the Western Conference. Like you can't blindly bet them. Like I know there's a lot of guys who they saw that the, the, the Jazz down to the Pacers and might have chased on the Pacers or they saw them down to the Heat and might have chased on the Heat. The Heat were shorthanded and on this end of this West Coast road trip and they got obliterated. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I will say this. They, they weren't. They weren't absolute world killers to start the, the year last year either. Like neither they or the Suns got off to a super hot start. It was after that they got adjusted, they got in the rhythm. And I do think that Utah's entire formula is one that over the course of the regular season, I think it wears on teams. I think teams go into Utah and they're just like, oh God, we got to deal with Gobert. We're at the, like, again, we were just in LA and we went at that place and I had like 18 drinks and now I got to go play in Utah versus go bear. Like I do think like that's a big advantage for them. Um, they have You're right. like their home court advantage has always been significant. So I think that they'll still, I, I, I'm not, I feel good about my jazz number one seed in the West. I feel good about, uh, I took some, some, I took their over, I took their, an alternate prop on them. That's probably not going to hit because it was it was bold. I'll admit that I took a I took a bold number on the Jazz alternate win total. But did your number start with a seven? Did it start with a seven? No, no. Okay, just making sure. Six. So I think in general, like they may not be as good as last year, but I still think this is going to finish with like the worst case scenario. I think for this team is like a top three finish. Like I just see that. I, I don't see them finishing worse than you know. Even if the Suns are better than I expect. Um, and the Lakers get it together and go on a run. I still think Utah probably wins the division and finishes third. Like I don't, as much as we've hyped Denver and talked about how great they are and all these type of things, I I haven't even looked once at Denver's division odds, even though they're a dog, and I'm pretty sure a considerable one. Like yeah, they're five to one right now. They're five, five to five. one, which I should be just I should be all over that. I, I just yeah. think that Utah is a regular season machine. I just th- and that's not just last year. They should have been one the year before, and a lot of weird stuff happened with their season when they're healthy, which is all you can really do is just you have like unless you have outlier situations and you don't have anything on on Utah to be like, oh, I'm really worried about this. You know, Mike Conley's resting back to backs and taking a lot of rest. I think it's fine. They have enough guard depth to be okay there. Um, they still need to get Rudy Gay back. I still want to see him when when that happens, but I still think the Jazz are going to be fine. I think the problem is just. If they go up against Denver, I'm taking Denver in that series. If they go up against the Suns, I'm taking the Suns in that series. If they go up against the Lakers, I'm taking the Lakers in that series. Like, I don't know. If they go against the Warriors, I'm taking Warriors like 4-1. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the team kind. is. Do what? The Warriors match was not kind for this team. That, that's a problem I have my yeah. own for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. like, th- this is kind of the problem is what's the good matchup for Utah? Yeah, like, I think I, every team in the West has good and bad ones. I don't know if there's a good matchup for Utah. I, I think the good matchup I mean, is Utah plays Utah ball and gets hot on threes, which we've seen them do for big stretches before. We've seen especially Donovan Mitchell do in the playoffs for long stretches before. Yeah, And, and, and the matchup is just like, the, again, I think we said this last year. I think I can compare them to the Spurs last year. I think the matchup is this is who we are. What we are works really well. It's an A minus every night and you have to beat us. And the way the West looks, other than the Warriors, the Warriors look like we can beat you. The rest of the teams don't look like, all right, well, we're going to beat you then. Like, like, I think this is a pretty good year 
to be like, hey, we're the A minus team. Come and beat us right now. I'll say this too. The Jazz are third in offensive rating right now, despite that they've taken the third most threes and they're 27th in the NBA in three point percentage. This is a team that was one of the best shooting teams in the league last year. Bojan has been cold. Clarkson is ice cold. Donovan Mitchell's volume is up, which I like a lot, but he's down to 32%. If they're already the third ranked offense, even shooting ice cold on threes, like I think this team has a decent chance to lead the league in offensive rating. And if you're number one in offense, we know offense is more important than defense at the end. Even though defense slipped a little bit, if you're that good on offense, you're going to win a lot of games. Right. I can't disagree with that. I definitely can't disagree with that. And I also, I, you were right about um, last year, they started off four, four and four and then broke off 21 of, the, of 22 yeah. games. So this team does have the capacity to put it together. I like Denver, but I just don't feel like they're going to have the horses with all the injuries and everything like that. So, I mean, obviously this is the team to win in division, but I mean, in the playoffs, I'm just, I'm still not sure. I, I do think if they matched up against the Lakers, I would be on Utah just for the three-point shooting. But um, they struggle against the Warriors. I wish we could have saw them against the Warriors last year. I thought the, the Warriors were live in that matchup, but we'll yeah. see what happens. How many, uh, <clears throat> how many teams from the West make the, make the play-in or playoffs? How many from the Northwest, rather? Oh, I was like, wait, I know the answer to this one. Yeah. Ten. It's ten. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think three. I mean, it's, the, it's the, the Jazz are in, the Nuggets are in, and I think the Blazers are at least still a top 10 team, and I don't think the other two are going to make it. Right. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say two. I'm going to say the Blazers miss. Wow. Okay. I'm going mean, to go the other I, way. I'm going to say four. Uh, mm. The Jazz, the Nuggets, the Blazers, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. My Minnesota Timberwolves, Brandon. Your Minnesota Timberwolves. I, another thing in the Jazz – if their defense is slipping, we've said this anyways, if the defense is slipping, that defensive player of the year race, there's some yeah. juicy odds out there and Gobert is still the leader. I think we've got voter fatigue anyway, because of the whole playoff thing that I think that there are, there's some real live odds out there, whether it's Bam that you like or Draymond or whoever, it's not just that those guys are playing well, but if the defensive rating drops, then it's another reason to not vote for Rudy. So I think that's an angle here. I agree with the division. This actually was the division that I was trying to, like, I wrote about this before the season and I played Portland and Denver both before the season because I didn't think Utah was a good play here. I'm switched. Like, I think this is a Utah division. Portland is out there. There's not hitting right now. We said all that Denver for all the good things we're doing. Jokic probably can't be a God forever and has to get some help from the other guys. So I think the Utah formula is going to win out here. I don't see much division value. Yeah, I bet on NBA bet. I took Draymond at plus 1,600, 16 to 1 to win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, and I took Matisse Tybel, who is top seven in blocks and steals this season, uh, has been out with COVID. But once he gets back, that Sixers defense at full strength is still going to be nightmarish. Uh, he's plus 2,800. So took a shot on both of those guys. That's going to wrap it up for buckets for your Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check us out tomorrow, Tuesday uh, at 7 Eastern is our live show on YouTube. Check that out. And then we'll have Wednesday workshop up that same night. It's Raheem and I breaking down the Wednesday slate of NBA games, doing deep dives, teaching you how to bet NBA. We'll see you on Friday for Friday Happy Hour with Brandon. Make sure to check out all the great podcasts. Make sure to check out actionnetwork.com. Check out the app. Download it right now on your mobile device. See you guys again next time on Buckets.